the Spartan Mind Strength Podcast, the podcast for mental grit and resilience. Hosted by V. Binga and Tim Ganley. Hello, this is Tim. And this is V. And we welcome you to another episode of the Spartan Mind Strength Podcast. And this series is going to be about poses, yoga poses. And if you're a traditional, always think that it has to be this way, and you have to do this because you never actually asked why, you're going to hate us. So send us the hate. But if you question why you're doing a pose, why this is helpful, why it could be dangerous, you're going to love this series and send us the love. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. And we're back. But first, did you subscribe? Did you share? Did you... Like? Did you comment? Did you leave a review? Wow. That's the most important. Leave a review, please. Very nice. This series is brought to you by Yoga Energy School. They do 200 and 300 hour Yoga Alliance... Private online teacher trainings. And coming soon retreats. And the links are in the show notes, as always. We're going to be talking about poses. Yes. Yoga poses. Yes. Uh, (laughs) And with that, though, we want to talk about the history of it first, so that uh, you see where we're coming from in the whole world of what poses are, or actually what asana are. Uh So asana, go ahead. What is asana? It it is a Sanskrit word. And it means seat. It is commonly translated as pose, but in its essence, it means seat. As in the seat, the position that a person was assuming to stay there forever in order to meditate. When you say forever, for long periods of long time. Long periods at a time. So it could be uh, one hour, it could, could be been, 24 hours. It could have been three days. It could be three days, exactly. So, so with that, so that's what asana means. Yes. Now, I want to go back to the history of a yogi. Yes. And I know we're going to be, it's in our history course for teacher training, but uh, some people might not have taken our course. So so what is what is the reason yogis practiced asanas? The reason they practiced the poses was to actually control their body as much as possible in order to get into their mind. The body was an obstacle. So the, 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 where the yogi of the time was coming from was that the body is an obstacle that needed to be eliminated. And when you say eliminated, what does that mean? It means they wanted to leave this body. They wanted to die. Okay. To eliminate the body means to die 
in order to move on to another level of existence or whatever that is. So the whole concept of enlightenment. Exactly. The whole concept of enlightenment was to to actually get rid of the body so they could be as light as possible in order to actually move on to a different level of existence. Okay, so they The body was not to be honored. The purpose was not for the body to be strong and healthy. The body was an obstacle. The body was dirty, was filthy. They had to do extreme things to cleanse it and get rid of it. And so for the yogi then, where this whole concept of the asanas comes from, their goal was to find enlightenment through death. Exactly. And Ayurveda is about going to thrive. Ayurveda is about thriving, yeah. So so when they talk about yoga and Ayurveda as being together, they might be today, but in history when it actually was originated, yoga was about killing yourself, basically. And Ayurveda was about thriving. Exactly. So you had one group of people that are trying to find enlightenment, be one with God. Yep. And the other group of people were trying to thrive, be able to continue to live, make money, help the community, things like that. Absolutely. So the the yogis who were looking for enlightenment, uh, they, they were wanting to die. Yes. And so they would do certain things. They would eat, uh, eat cereal. Uh, eat a cereal, yeah. All they the ate grains. a very yeah. grain-based diet. With just a little bit of milk was allowed for a little bit. And then they had to move fully to water. Yeah. So we're, we're looking at this almost as like in Christianity. Yes. The monks yes. At, of the time were also trying to, they would do chanting, they would eat uh, very little. They exactly. would meditate. So, so they both. They had, would pray all night. Yeah. So they were both similar. Yep. So, yeah. so we can look at a yogi almost like a monk. Yes. And so the monk did certain things. Yeah. And the yogis did certain things. Yes. So the asana. Yep. Of the yogi. Yeah. Was to get into poses that they could meditate, so that they could then find enlightenment which meant die. Exactly. And some of them found enlightenment? Yes. Possibly? Possibly, yeah. And some of them didn't. Yes. And so this path that we're talking about right now was a path that might work, might not work. Exactly. There's nobody that ever said that this person found enlightenment through it. Exactly. So so you it's it's a leap of faith. It is. It is truly a leap of faith, and it has uh, it has certain requirements that need to be followed. Otherwise, that leap of faith not only won't work; it will lead to a lot of issues. A mm-hmm. lot of issues. It's not just oh, it doesn't work. Yep. So, so that if you're going to practice certain poses for long periods of time, yeah, eat a very grain-based diet. Very uh, light. Very yep. light diet as in uh, not nutrient-dense. <laughs> yep. And so yeah. so do certain things yep. you 
for enlightenment, that's perfectly fine because yeah. your goal is to pass on. Yes, exactly. So, but you don't want to be living in the city. No, and that's yep. where. It, so, yeah. if you're practicing certain poses for a certain reason, you want to leave community. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're going, and that's why they went into the woods. Exactly. They're, I've never heard a story or read something that said, "Oh, the yogi." lived in downtown exactly uh, they all lived in the woods exactly. alone or in a small group yes that all had the same goal of enlightenment exactly exactly otherwise the yogi living in downtown it's it's not gonna end well okay good so <laughs> so we've we've gone with that i want to take a quick second break and we're going to come back with the poses of today which some of them are the poses of the past, but most of them are less than a hundred and some years old. Exactly. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. And we're back. And we're, we talked a little bit about the past, like where some of the asanas come from. And we'll go over some of those asanas throughout this series. Uh, because some of them are in this series. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, and also, I want to talk about today's yoga. Yeah. If you're practicing yoga today, would you say 80%, 90%, or even higher of the poses that most people practice in a yoga class are brand new? Oh, yeah. I would say, I would say 90%. And uh, uh, also, what is completely brand new is the context the setting in how you practice those poses yeah. too. So, because in, in the Any, old... Anything that's vinyasa, anything flow. that's flow, anything that's flow is 100% new. Okay. So, so when I get to... First off is we're talking, when we say new, we're talking less than 100 years old yes. or less than 120 years old exactly. if you want to make it pretty good. Uh, so, it's less than 120 years old. Overall... It was taught one-on-one, -on -one, yes. so private training, Yep. not group training, private yep. training, uh, so personal trainer. Yep. Uh, it was taught for, uh, uh, it was taught only to men. Exactly. No women were allowed to practice, no. not until the 19... 1960s. Was it 1960? Actually, 1960s in the West, and... Uh, it, couple of decades earlier in uh, India. Yep. And that's due to a non-Indian lady, yep. Indra Devi. That's her spiritual name. That's her spiritual name, yes. And Indra Devi was uh, born in Latvia, uh, in Eastern Europe, yep. a country in Eastern Europe. And uh, through, because of uh, her family and everything uh, ended up in India, and because she was actually a performer, she was an actress, dancer, all that, uh, she was interested in all different cultures as part of her uh, upbringing and training. And she was fascinated with the spiritual aspect uh, that was uh, coming from India in uh, certain books. And so she wanted to actually practice yoga. And she met Krishnamacharya, but Krishnamacharya, because that's what the custom was, 
wouldn't accept female students. No. But she had clout. She had, it was, her husband was wealthy, her parents were wealthy. Exactly. And uh, Krishnamacharya's boss, his employer, the Prince of Mysore. So he was paid big time yes. to teach yoga. Exactly. It wasn't free? No. <laughs> no. So, so yoga wasn't free uh, no. to everyone to practice? No. No, he was, he was being paid by a prince. Was, yeah, exactly. Uh, and women couldn't practice. Exactly. Exactly. How does that sound? And... Uh, so women aren't allowed enlightenment. Exactly, yes. Women were considered inferior, yes. And uh, so uh, the princess said, no, you will train her. He said, no. He said, no, you will train her. He said, okay. okay. And, uh, he said, you'll train her or you're fired. Exactly, exactly. So, and he said, okay, but he, he wasn't happy he was doing it. So he made her life miserable during the training process. And this comes from her. And this comes from her. Because we, we have that on video. And Krishnamacharya's son, yes. actually. So uh, he made her life miserable and because he, he, wanted, to actually, he wanted her to fail. He yep. wanted her now, to leave. Now with that, that could have been because of being pressured from other gurus. Yes. Or it could have been that he just didn't want to train women. Exactly. And, and he was pressured from other gurus also. And for a while he didn't want to train women. Yep. And uh, so anyway, she stuck with it. And uh, so, and after a year, I guess, of uh, intense training, he told her, uh, you're free to go. <laughs> so whichever way can be taken, uh -huh. right? And uh, you can go and teach. He gave her permission to teach. So which takes us to, it was a long time process. Yes. So yoga wasn't a 200-hour class? No, <laughs> it was a long time process. So she left and spread yoga to all different parts of the world. Uh, Soviet Union. Uh, China, uh, Argentina, and uh, US. Los Angeles, California, yep. the very first official yoga studio ever in the 60s in Los Angeles, California. She was teaching yoga to the stars. Yes. So she opened that up and brought in, made yoga more popular here in the States. Actually made yoga popular here in the States. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah, so if it weren't for her, for uh, an ambitious uh, performer from uh, Eastern Europe, who knows how long it would have taken. And she actually even talk it, took it to the performers yes, in California. Yes, exactly, exactly, because when... That, and she taught it one-on-one. -on -one. She taught it one-on-one. -on -one. She taught it one-on-one, -on -one, uh, and uh, she always... And she said... She picked up uh, some very, very important uh, cues, pointers from Krishnamacharya. And the main one, well, other than one-on-one, -on -one, uh, the other main one was you do not touch. Yes, I remember. And we have that on video, too. Exactly, exactly. You do not touch because, and she actually gives a very cute story uh, they were doing a seated uh, forward fold uh, in, um, uh, with Krishnamacharya in uh, the training, and she couldn't reach her toes with her hands, 
So she asked the student behind her uh, to actually push on her uh, a little bit to reach. And Krishnamacharya saw that and he said, you never do that. You do not touch because you can injure. When, you know, when you are ready uh, in whichever way, uh, you will you will do it be, yourself exactly you will do it yourself so now with that you said that there was a student behind exactly and I want to get into because we said that it was private one-on-one -on -one, but you just said that there was more in class exactly but that was because it was a Mysore it was a Mysore style it was Mysore and it was group training as in the uh, for uh, for performances and that's why also Krishnamacharya accepted her, mm -hmm. because the concept was perform, yes. spread certain practices. But, but that, that was the performance. The specific things to learn to go into the group setting were one-on-one, -on -one. Yes. because every, uh, Everyone's different. everyone is different. Exactly. And don't touch. Because everyone exactly. is Exactly. You don't know. This yep. is the you know group setting. So today's touching is actually goes completely against all of the teachings of the guru yep. of doing. Yep. Exactly. It is completely against that. It's completely against that. So now with that, uh, we're at eight minute mark. Uh, I want to take another quick break and we'll come back to the hundred year old. Sounds great. Stay tuned. Do you like what you hear? The Spartan Mind Strength Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and all other popular podcast destinations. Please subscribe today and consider leaving us a rating and review. It helps us spread the word and help others find our content. Don't forget to leave a comment and any questions you may have. Tim and V would love to hear from you. And we're back. Yet again. <laughs> Yet again. And tell me, who's the 100-year-old? Krishnamacharya. Krishnamacharya was born in 1888 and moved on 1989. So he is basically... He's considered the father of modern yoga. So, so there are other gurus yes. that teach similar poses, but they all basically somehow came from that area exactly. that concept so exactly. so most of and that era yep so shivananda kripala uh anusara yeah all <laughs> iyengar all of those sachidananda came during that time yes and basically were created a lot of those poses were created from that time yes and again we're going to go over some of the poses that weren't yep. created during that time but 90-ish percent of all of the poses uh were created actually sun salutations by far oh, is yeah. him sun salutations is him exactly yep. and even though you see him in other series other gurus teaching it sun salutations are him yes the concept of flow the concept of vinyasa is completely him through Patabi Joyce. Okay. Okay. So that, that's a definite. Exactly. Now, with that, I want to talk about, so since he died in 1989. 1989, yeah. And he is the father of modern day yoga. Yeah. 
where did he get his yoga? So give me a little bit of the history of why it was created. So it's very, very mm. interesting. The, the Prince of Mysore had seen that, uh, the, uh, the, that India as a country had, uh, had started to lose its, its history, its connection to, his, to their uh, roots. So, it, because the British colonization because just left? Because of the British colonization, <clears throat> exactly. Because of the British colonization. <clears throat> so, they were completely fascinated with everything Western. And they had started losing the, the knowledge, the knowledge and the traditions of uh, their uh, culture. So what he wanted, and the morale, and the morale was very off. Yes. So what he wanted to do is he wanted to give the people something different other than the British influence in order to lift up the morale and say, hey, here is something else as well. But he knew that he had to do it in a way that wouldn't, that wouldn't say, okay, what you learned from the British is wrong or ignore it and here is what you should focus on. Uh -huh. It had to be brought in in a way that people would accept it. It's like you give people a little bit of uh, what they need and quite a bit. Uh, a little of, bit of what they of, want and then give them well, what they need? Yeah, but this was, <laughs> this was different. A little bit of what... <laughs> They need uh, mixed in with uh, a lot of what they want. <laughs> that's yeah. that's how this was brought to them. Uh, it's a, it was way more gentle than what we do say. <laughs> <laughs> so he so Krishnamacharya was somebody who had studied a lot. He had studied a lot of the ancient texts. He had meditated quite a bit in the forest and a lot of that. And he studied with a lot of different people. And he studied with a lot of different people too. And uh, so... Uh, and he was brilliant man. He was brilliant. a brilliant man. He was a brilliant man. And uh, so uh, the Prince of Mysore gave him the task to do whatever he thought he could do to start people, to give something to people that hey, this is from your tradition. Yes. So what he, but what he did was he, because he had to go and perform, it, he turned into a performer. So that's why, so because of, he wanted to make it very fancy. He wanted to make it glamorous yes. because that's what the people wanted. So he incorporated gymnastics. Yep. He, uh, one of the things that I want to go into is he was basically traveling India yes. doing performance. Exactly, so, performances. So the, the concept of this was more of a circus Olay type exactly. concept. So what he did was he took a group of men, yes, uh, taught them poses that he created. Yes. Because they even talked about it. Yeah. He created. Yes. Along with poses that were part of the past. Exactly. And turned it into a show. Exactly. You know, because exactly. we're, we're looking at the same thing that during that time was also Ringling Brothers uh, in the States. So there was these circuses going around. Yeah. And 
people would go pay to watch performances. Absolutely. It wasn't a, it wasn't TV. No. It was a live performance. Exactly. Exactly. And the, it was glamorous. And uh, that's where gymnastics, the yeah. British were amazing in gymnastics, yeah. right? So that's what he and Gymnastics is a Greek word, which means... Which actually means uh, performing naked. Gymnos, naked. The gymnosophists. They ah. were the naked philosophers of Alexander the Great. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, gymnastics, martial arts. Yep, they took from martial arts. Exactly. They took from, actually, we have a uh, video Shivananda. of Shivananda grappling. Exactly. So they took different types of Western. Yeah. Different types of Eastern. Yeah. Different types of a lot of different cultures. Yeah. And combined them into a performance. Absolutely. And he did it. He was very successful at it. Krishnamacharya was very successful at it. So he, he actually created a whole different concept of uh, what Hatha Yoga was. <laughs> yes. So so right now I just want to go into real quick. So some of the poses were designed for death. Yes. To die. Yeah. Uh, to hurt the body so that you could pe move on mm -hmm. and some and most of the poses were put together as a uh, a show as a show yeah so with that some of the poses we're practicing today are are useless exactly and some poses are great yes and <clears throat> he trained uh Joyce. And I just want to go into Patabi Joyce, which is the Ashtanga. It's not the Ashtanga of the... Eight limbs of, of yoga. It's Ashtanga, and that's also a great marketing. Exactly. He marketed it so people would want to study Ashtanga. So yes. if, you, if you go buy a book, you might find a book that talks all about the eight limbs... Or you might find a book that uh, gives you all these different poses. Exactly, because Ashtanga is a Sanskrit word and comes from Ashta, which means eight, and Anga, which means limbs. So Ashtanga mm -hmm. are the eight limbs of the Patanjali Sutras. That's where the term comes from. But because of the brilliant marketing, uh, Padabi Joyce and Krishnamacharya named that practice no. Ashtanga Yoga. So Padabi Joyce was an extremely strong, oh, healthy man. Very, very, yeah. And so Ashtanga was basically designed for the performance. Yes. Uh, but it was designed basically for like 14-year-old boys. Exactly. So yes. Ashtanga was actually created for a... Uh, uh, Visual arts. Visual arts, yeah. Now, Iyengar was... Iyengar was Krishnamacharya's brother-in-law. Yep, and he was very sickly. He was. And so uh, he was asked to join in, but he had to do a different style to get healthy. Exactly. Because he, he ended up being a sub and then a, a yeah, full-time. So yeah. they did it uh, because... Sometimes yoga teachers don't show up. <laughs> uh, yes. So he needed Iyengar to be able to perform when some yoga teachers don't show up. <laughs> yeah. So so that's where Iyengar. And Iyengar yoga was also created by... 
Krishnamacharya. And yes. so it two completely different styles. Yes. And when Iyengar Yoga was created, the term alignment was created. Yes. Al alignment is completely Iyengar specific. Iyengar mm -hmm. is the first person to ever talk about alignment. And the reason he did it was, again, brilliant marketing. Yep. And we also have this on video. Exactly, exactly. Go ahead and say, uh, don't say exact, because I'm sure you can't uh, right now, but give it a... a, a well, Iyengar I said, uh, you want me to be politically correct or not? <laughs> Iyengar yeah. I said that, uh, the, that the yoga poses that he had, the... Uh, were very simple and they were very they were very abstract as in here is what to do because everyone is different mm -hmm. and that's what Krishnamacharya was teaching everyone is different here is the big idea do what you can so he said that in order to sell it to the intellectual westerners who like Thing, who don't like things simple, they like things complicated, he created a bunch of rules for each pose, hence alignment. He refers to it as he had to create a beautiful salad so that the intellectual Westerners would give it value. Yes. So and that's so that's where alignment came from. Exactly. So alignment is less than sixty years old. Alignment is uh, very new. Alignment yep. is Iyengar. Yep. And uh, so that's a quick history of where the poses came from. In our next uh, podcast, we'll start breaking down the poses that are useless. Until next time, much much love from both of us. Namaste kala. May we all be well, adapt, and thrive. If you found today's show helpful, please give us a rating, a review, or both. And subscribe to the podcast and never miss an episode. As always, namaste kala, which in Greek means, may we all be well. This program, Copyright True Fitness Incorporated, all rights reserved.